Hello and welcome to the APT Comics Podcast, episode 206. I'm here with Nathan Simmons. We're here to talk comics. We're here to talk to Ram V. We're here to talk news. Oh my God, there's so much to talk about. We're talking all day. All day, <laughs> every day. We're talking comics. We're talking love. We we're talking life. We do. <laughs> every day. Every day. Every day, David texts me and he's like, what do you love? Who do you love? That's right. And then we just break out into song and it kind of devolves from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) This uh, this week we have a ton. So the last couple episodes we haven't had a guest. Been a shorter episode here and there, which is, I think, great. But unfortunately, for those of you who are are tight on time, (laughs) this might be a longish episode. We have... Oh, man. Ton but you can, of news. You can parcel it out as the That's week true. goes on. I yes. mean, Pace yeah, it. we're gonna be here with you till next time. <laughs> just, just yeah, just, you can stretch out this episode for weeks if you want. I mean, you Man. will fall behind on the next episode. You but. sure will. <laughs> I, I was, I'm really excited about this episode. We had such a fun chat yes. with Romvi. Yes, we talk about Detective Comics, a little bit about Carnage. Yeah, uh, it's it's enlightening the conversation. Honestly. Especially if you're uh, jazzed for Detective Comics out next week. Yes. Because he told us some things that I didn't even notice as far as like <laughs> how the, the comic is structured. Yeah. Which made me love the comic even more. You know yeah. What I mean? Detective 1068 is uh, just a fantastic book that rewards repeat reads. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I typically, unless we have an interview, I try not to read ahead too much, but I was just like chomping at the bit to get this as soon as he like described the the idea behind the book to us right totally yeah and like i don't know if you're a two-faced fan you're really gonna love this but there is a major development involving Mm -hmm. batman that could change the game right yeah absolutely which we kind of get into so if you want to avoid that spoiler don't worry we really don't kind of spoil it but Right. Uh, it's a really compelling thing. I really hope we can have Ron V on again uh, when this, uh, the story arc kind of finishes. Yeah, there's and, he, and he's got some really cool stuff coming up, too. Totally, yeah. But before we get to that interview, we have to break down the news and we got try to. to start. Yeah, we do. It's actually contractual. <laughs> <laughs> we'll lose our jobs if we don't. Uh-huh. Um, we always start with the biggest news of the week. I think the biggest news, and I when I say biggest news every week, I mean like the thing everyone was talking about. Sure. I think it might be the Comixology layoffs this week, which is incredibly yeah. unfortunate. Uh, a bunch of layoffs across multiple companies, but in particular, a lot of Comixology workers at Amazon were laid off. When Amazon mm-hmm. laid off, I think it was eighteen thousand people this week. Yep. Yeah. The well, the plan is to yeah to eliminate at least eighteen thousand employees. Uh, yeah, throughout the month of January, and a huge number of, of staffers from Comixology were affected by this. Um, the news kind of broke via uh, the program manager Scott McGovern, who tweeted uh, basically like, "Yeah, it 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 happened this morning. Uh, we're not authorized really to tell anything to the press, uh, but people were like huge groups of people were pulled into various meetings, and and yeah." are are told either you're out now or this is when your job ends you know this year mm-hmm. given like an, uh, an end date yeah and you know gosh the the mess that is comicsology since amazon yeah. moved them off comicsology.com and brought them into the fold of amazon.com has it's just... just been a slow sad death yeah. i feel like I mean, they've 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 consistently every couple months said, "Hey, look, we added this new feature, which right. was an old feature, but <laughs> it's back." Right. Uh, and it seemed like they were making a concerted effort, even though it was quite slow. 
uh, but by firing all these people, I can only uh-huh. imagine it'll slow down further or there might not be any new developments. Who knows? Well, and that's the, you know, we were talking a little bit um, off mic, but a lot of the layoffs that have been happening at like Amazon and Microsoft and other companies yeah. over this week have been, um, have been uh, uh, programmers. So when, you know, when the biggest issue with the app right now is, you know, is day-to-day maintenance and, 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 and functionality, it seems like those aren't the kind of people you want to let go. No, no. I mean, I I actually reached out to Amazon um, to, I wanted to write a report on this, but I I actually didn't on amputeecoms.com because I was waiting for more information. Right. Um, And they didn't return my emails. There was, Mm -hmm. I have another contact that has fed me stuff about comiXology before and they said please wait i'm still waiting for information so yeah it's a, it's an ongoing story for sure pretty sudden um, i think with people kind of leaving comiXology the last couple months due to the fact that their app isn't really working like right. it used to i mean maybe this is just another nail in the coffin but i know that people have hundreds of dollars of comics on this app that they can't even read so like they're kind of chained to it. So they're only right. sitting there waiting for it to get fixed while they probably buy comics elsewhere uh, in the meantime. Right. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a bummer. Like no matter, no matter which way you look at it. Yeah. Um, this was a really rough week for, for, for folks in, in the entertainment industry and, mm-hmm. and, and especially comics and, and uh, comics and gaming journalism as well. Like, uh, you know, yeah. huge number of editorial were laid off from giant bomb and GameSpot. Uh, and I believe a number of writers were let go from Vox. Uh, it's just, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a really tough week and I, I'm really curious to see, you know, what the, the whole story, right? Like the yeah. wider story, uh, you know, cause it, it sucks. And I just, I, I don't know. It's, it's very, it's very weird to see such a, a huge shift without any kind of, you know, reason that people are allowed to give for it. Right, yeah. The the recession is the is the big, you know, reason. Right. Yet there really is there ha- the recession well, isn't here yet. It's like a silent recession. Yes. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Um, right. Yeah. The future of comics in general, it it always feels like it's a little bit up in the air because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it feels like decades now. People have been saying the brick and mortar aspect of selling right. comics isn't going to last forever, and yet it continues to every year, even though they keep saying it won't. Well, you know, I was just talking about this very subject uh last weekend on or last week on the not a bomb podcast and Uh and uh, you know we were talking about print comics and and the future of the medium and uh, i was very bullish and like very like no it's here to stay and you know this week kind of freaked me out a little bit (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know like yeah in terms of of the industry right uh, so yeah, but uh, you know you'll get the the news uh, every Sunday here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll keep you up to date as uh, new developments occur. Yeah, I'm hoping we'll learn something more soon. We all uh, this week we actually learned the Glad Award nominees. Yeah, um, which of course span all types of media, but there are two categories for comics. Uh, the two categories were outstanding comic book, and the other was outstanding original graphic novel. There's a lot of uh, comics on here we've talked about on this show. Um, Oh, yeah. Poison Ivy by G. Willow Wilson and Marcio Takara. Uh, We had Kyle Starks on to talk about I Hate This Place a few months ago, for instance. Nice House in the Lake, one of our favorite comics. Right. Uh, uh, Galaxy, The Prettiest Star by Jadzia Axelrod and Jess Taylor. We had on the show last year to talk about one of my favorite books of the year. 
Superman Son of Kal-El, another book that we had Tom Taylor on and Nicole Mays right. on. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. Um, just <laughs> there, there are so many good options here. I don't know who will win, honestly. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a spoil. There, it's a spoil of riches, absolutely. New Mutants by Vida Ayala, Win the Throne in the Sky by James Tynan, DC Immortal Pride twenty twenty two. Yeah, Lord. I mean, they should all win. Let's just have them all win this year. Let's <laughs> no kidding, right? <laughs> and then for graphic novel, there was Marvel's Voices Pride, Young Men in Love, Magical Boy, um, DC Pride twenty twenty two. I bet that'll win. I bet that'll win. I mean, yeah, I, I would. I was leaning towards that one or, or Galaxy, the Prettiest Star. Those are those are would be my. I mean, those were two of my like top five books from last year. So yeah, totally. But uh, good luck to all the nominees. I'm sure everyone is excited Absolutely. just for being nominated. So that's cool. One hundred percent. And then in our next bit of news, again, some weird uh, firing news. Uh, Matthew Medney, CEO of Heavy Metal Magazine, who's been on this show, uh, yeah, uh-huh. uh, stepped down as CEO of Heavy Metal. Uh, he is being replaced by Marshall Lease. So uh, the beat had a, a news report on this that uh-huh. seemed like maybe this, some funny business was happening, but I think it's just the fact that maybe profits weren't up enough for the board. So I, I think that's what it is as well. I mean, yeah. the um, you know, just a month ago, Publishers Weekly said Heavy Metal had like suspended payments to vendors. There was like some restructuring right. going on. They were having issues like making ends meet, and I think that this is just a, a matter of like trying to. Yeah, re- rework things and, and see if they can, you know, get better results. But uh, it's a bummer. It is. It yeah, is. Ma- uh, Matthew's been like, uh, you know, instrumental in the modern version of heavy metal. So uh, we'll Not see. Not to mention he's writing a bunch of the books, too. <laughs> or the yeah, stories. Yeah, exactly. So I'm wondering how that's going to shake out. <laughs> Maybe the NFT thing didn't pan out because I know they were pushing NFTs a little bit. Right. But it was like for five seconds they were pushing it and then it just mm-hmm. stopped. Maybe... I mean, they probably they probably pushed it too late, you know, because the whole NFT thing is crashing as as right. we speak. Well, he does say uh, he's gonna he's gonna keep working on the project like a creative position. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just kind of handing over the reins for you know the the heading up the company to someone else. Uh, but he says uh, in in a statement that he released, he said I will be stepping into my role as partner in the business and cheering on and helping in important projects and relationships. Mm. It's not uncommon for heavy metal to be switching CEOs and editors. Sure. Um, I think it's it's almost like part of the, the process of, these, <laughs> sure. of the magazine. I mean, Grant Morrison was uh, editor-in-chief for a little while there, too, just a mm-hmm. couple of years ago. Uh, but yeah, uh, we, we here love heavy metal, so we're Absolutely. excited to see what, what, what happens What's next? in this new year. And moving on, let's break up new year. Jesus Christ, the solicitations <laughs> this week. Boy, Good howdy. Lord. Marvel Comics solicitations came out on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, a ton of, of news title information in here. Uh, surprisingly so. Like, for instance, yeah. um, Declan Shalvey taking over Alien. Uh, it's relaunching a new yeah. number one. Uh, that's pretty cool. But Planet Very of the excited. Apes was at the top of the list uh, that right. Marvel sent over. So they're 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 super pumped for this. I'm not a big Planet of the Apes guy, but I know a lot of people who are. Uh-huh. Are you a Planet of the Apes guy? Are you an Apes? Uh, apes I am. I am. I'm an ape head. Uh, <laughs> ape head. <laughs> I I love. Uh, yeah, I, I I love Planet of the Apes. I. Uh, I've talked about it actually talked about this extensively on one of my other shows but the um watching the first movie as a kid just like obliterated mm. my brain yeah and uh yeah i I'm, I'm pretty ride or die for the apes nice yeah david f walker's writing david watchers drawing yeah that looks pretty cool there's <laughs> there's a lot of cool stuff in here that there's some stuff we already knew like gardens of the galaxy number one is relaunching uh-huh. um there is a uh 
there's a Mike Mignola Rocket Raccoon Marvel Tales that's coming out. And uh, I saw people like confused. They're like, what, Mignola's doing Marvel again? Yeah. Pretty sure this is a reprint. It is. It's <laughs> uh, it's the miniseries that Bill Mantlo and Mike Mignola did together in 85. But it's, right. it's interesting because it's like at the top of the solicits too. Mm-hmm. So it just, it feels like, it seems like it's something brand new, but it's it's definitely not. Right. Same with this uh, the uh, Strange Tales featuring Warlock, the facsimile edition, the Jim right. Starlin book, which looks mm-hmm. so cool. Uh, some major things like Sins of Sinister is ending. Uh-huh. There's a new Loki series, a four issue series by Dan Waters and Jermaine Peralta, which cannot be... wait for that. That'll be sick, right? Yeah, absolutely. I was uh, I saw that news because Rum uh, shared it on Twitter, and I was just he's like as stoked as I am for it. Yeah, Ram and Dan Waters are kind of from a. I forget the group they're called. Mm-hmm. They're a group of writers that were they're from the UK that are right. all kind of like tightly knit and friends and whatnot. Um, you know, it reminded me. I, I completely forgot, but it reminded me that like, um, uh, Kibblesmith did a Loki series. I That's think right. Can't, didn't Cantwell do a, a Loki series? Or maybe I'm misremembering. I that. I I'm, I think maybe. I feel like Loki is like this this. I love Kibblesmith's Loki. Yeah, it yeah. was so freaking good and. You know, it's a it's a doorway into doing more at Marvel, maybe. <laughs> yeah, Marvel's Voices is also getting a Spider Verse one shot, which I was totally surprised by. Yeah, I'm so stoked about this. Looks like uh, reuniting the Spider Punk creative team as well for a story. Yeah the the create the creatives on this are excellent. Steve Fox, Cody Ziegler, Jeremy Holt. Uh, yeah, this should be a lot of fun. Um, it. it it's interesting it's marvel's voices uh-huh. spider-verse because like marvel's voices has always been like very specific like you know black history month related or pride related and this is something new it's like yeah. its own thing like they could do marvel's voices for anything anything yeah as long as they're lifting up um you know uh characters that are typically not getting the, the spotlight but also creators too absolutely um anything else in here grab your attention Oh, the no, throat. The, you hit the you hit the main <laughs> ones for me. I was uh, I, I'm really excited for a lot of these reissues. Uh, Carnage looks like it's getting absolutely bonkers. Uh, the um, oh, there was one that I was really excited about. Uh, that Venom uh, Lethal Protector miniseries. Uh, the it, it it looks like it's getting even weirder. Like people were already shocked that he's going up against Doctor Doom, but he's also teaming up with Nick Fury and Silver Sable. Yeah. It, just, it looks like a really fun book. So uh, I am Iron Man. I'm so excited about uh, more issues of Rogue and Gambit. Like it's it's going to be a good couple of months for comics. I mean, this week was great. I, it, yeah, I'm dude, so... it really was like it was so hard to pick my favorite books this week. It is. It was. I, I wish I could have done like a top 10. Honestly, yeah. there's that many good books this week. Totally. But uh, yeah, you could go to aptcomics.com to check out that full solicitation. There's so many covers, too, to check out. But wait, there's more. <laughs> do you mean the DC solicitations? Uh-huh. Do you want to go right into those? No, we can do that in a little bit. Uh, in our next bit of news, Webtoon has announced they're going to be adapting web novels That's right. into comics. Um, and they are running the gamut as far as types of content, from fantasy mm-hmm. to romance. Uh, it's a big push to kind of leverage content that's already out there that yeah. already has fan bases. Uh-huh. They sent over some like numbers too, and we're talking like three million views on some of these comic adaptations they've uh-huh. already done. I, I I don't know if I'm I think I'm too old for webtoon because like <laughs> it seems like something the young people are into. I don't know. I, I I think there's a little bit of something for everybody. Like I I've been really loving that um, 
Bat Family webtoon series. And some of these yeah. sound fascinating. I can't believe I haven't heard of like re-trailer trash, <laughs> uh, which sounds super fun. It's a fantasy series about a, a woman who's like sent back in time into her 13 year old self and has to like try to not like fuck up her life. That's pretty cool, yeah. Yeah. The two that had already come out are Night Owls and Summer Skies and Lord uh-huh. of Goblins. Um, I actually have a written interview with Lambcat coming out soon. Um, yeah. That is for the Cursed Princess Club. So I read Cursed Princess Club Volume uh-huh. 1, which is now in print, but, you know, it was originally a webtoon. Oh, yeah, they... you were telling me about that one, yeah. And uh, it's interesting to read, when you're reading so many comics we do, like reading mm-hmm. in that style where it's every panel is basically its own page. Right, right. And I think the style is such that you have to kind of, every kind of panel almost has to be a cliffhanger so that uh-huh. you want to read the next one. Or in the, in the case of uh, these comics, scroll, scroll right. down. Well, that's, that's kind of what I, what I like about a lot of these structure wise is that I'm, I'm very into, as a kid, I was super into newspaper comics and it mm-hmm. kind of has a similar, similar vibe in, in, in the way that they're structured to me. Totally. Yeah. Speaking of structure. Yeah. <laughs> how many eyes do you think this comic series has called eight eyes all eight eyes sorry all of <laughs> april 19th uh this was announced from dark horse uh this is uh, uh written by steve fox with art by peter kowalski it looks really cool yeah uh there it's a four issue mini so it's not a huge ass to, to pick it up but i think it involves spiders <laughs> yeah giant spiders Creatures, uh, all sorts it... of uh, Steve Fox has, dis- has compared it to movies like Them and the Giant Gila Monster, so uh, I'm there absolutely. Yeah, it looks really cool, and there's a, an incredible uh, Stoko variant cover for the first issue that's yeah, worth yeah, checking yeah. out too. And moving on to some more release news, um, yeah. I, you know, it's boggling my mind. So many publishers are now they're going beyond the solicits mm-hmm. and giving us titles that are out a month later. For some reason. Right. I wonder if it's because like Diamond went out of, or no, they didn't, they're not out of business, but uh-huh. a lot of them are moving away from Diamond. And does like Penguin have their advanced review like lists a little later or something? It's strange. Right. Because IDW announced that they're having a uh, Rocketeer one-shot anthology coming out in May 2023. Yeah. Um, so again, ahead of solicits. But this is kind of interesting in that oh, can't wait. it's based on a potential script that the screenwriters of the Rocketeer did that they're now turning into a comic uh, drawn by Adam Hughes is one of the main stories, but Jay Lee is also doing one. Yeah, and um, uh, Phil Noto is doing pinups for this as well. It sounds mm-hmm. like a, a like a really fun celebration. Yeah, uh, Danny Bilson and Paul DeMeo, who yeah, they wrote the Rocketeer. They were also the like showrunners on uh, the nineteen ninety Flash series. Oh, uh, interesting. They and I think they did a run on Flash uh, back in the early two thousands, mid two thousands, something like that. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they had a they had written a comic book that never got published, and while uh, working on a documentary, uh, director Kel- Kelvin Mao discovered this comic and was mm-hmm. like, "Hey, we should get somebody to actually illustrate this." To like, so this is like a story thirty <laughs> something years in the making. Right, right. That's so cool to me. Yeah, and since it's so tied to like the film, it it feels yeah. like a good way to honor the character too. Totally, and it's it's been written as sort of a tribute to Dave Stevens. So I yeah, right. I, that's just that's the best. I love the Rocketeer, so I'm in the bag for this already. It's such a unique property, isn't it? There's nothing else like yeah, it. right, exactly. What do you mean Iron Man's like the Rocketeer? <laughs> <laughs> Someone just said yeah. Yelling at their radio. I heard them. <laughs> so speaking of more licensed stuff coming out, w- yeah. 007 for King and Country was yeah. announced. 
I didn't know it was James Bond's 70th anniversary this year. Yeah. But I learned it from this press release that was sent over and I newsified. Um, this one's going to be written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, who's already doing James Bond at mm-hmm. Dynamite, uh, with art by Giorgio uh, Spalletta. Um, mm-hmm. There's a bunch of covers on uh, AIPTcomics.com to check out. All uh, with some blood and some mm-hmm. espionage. You could just, it's just dripping. There's I, skulls. I, I have said this before, <laughs> but like, I, I, how many times is Dynamite going to relaunch James, the, the main Bond series? Like, yeah. We've had yeah. 007, we've had James Bond 007. Then we did a series where it was like a bunch of different mini series. Mm-hmm. Then we got 007 again, and now it's going to be. <laughs> 007 for King and Country, um, which, by the way, I fully expected to be the title of the next movie, and now I feel like that's out. <laughs> oh, really? Is that true? That's interesting. Yeah, I I mean, huh. it just seems like that's, if you want to make Bond feel current and now, that is the title you want to give it. Yeah, totally. I, I do like the title, but oh, you're right. Oh, it's a great like... title, and, it's, and I'm, I'm so excited for this series. It's just... Bond, uh, Bond at Dynamite has hit hit that kind of level of like Red Sonia at Dynamite or like the the Hellboy right. books where I just Every don't book. know which miniseries is which in what order. <laughs> totally, yeah. There's nothing ongoing. I mean, yeah. I think Vampirella might still have legacy numbering or it yeah. did for a while. I don't think so right now because there's like a Vampirella versus. Red Sonia book right now, I think. Right, right. But uh, yeah, Marvel's doing the same thing. They're relaunching Spider-Man, Avengers. Avengers, that's coming up in the news in a minute. But uh, it's yeah. just the cyclical thing that never ends. I really hope they get back to doing the the adaptations because they, they did some... Van Jensen wrote a couple of really fantastic uh, graphic novel adaptations of the original books. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just, it seems like a shame to stop at two of those. <laughs> it does, yeah. Didn't Greg Pak do one as well? I yes. feel like he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the plot of this is a it's a little generic, isn't don't you think that that James Bond is marked framed. as a traitor and yeah. the other agents are after him? But Johnson <coughs> really gets Bond's voice. Uh mm-hmm. and it's been a blast to read uh the, the main series. So uh I think I think he'll find a way to 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 make this especially interesting. Nice. Speaking of interesting. Yes. Steve Orlando knows a thing or two about 2099, Spider-Man sure 2099 does. specifically, and he's about to show us more. Yeah, yeah. Spider-Man 2099 Dark Genesis is coming out May 2023. Uh, so this is like continuing his 2099 epic, but with him is Justin Mason. I know. I believe one of your favorite artists of 2022. My favorite artist <laughs> last year, yeah. Uh, and introducing Carnage 2099, uh, bringing in Blade, uh, Punisher, and Daredevil 2099. Uh, this looks wacky as hell, and I can't yeah. wait. Yeah, there's a bunch of 2099 characters popping in. Uh, the, all the covers for the entire run. So this is actually launching in May, ending in May, but it's going to be yeah. a weekly series, which is pretty cool. Uh, and every cover is by Nick Bradshaw. So all the covers are out. So you can kind of get a f- sense of maybe where it's going. Also very interesting that a couple of these covers look like they have um, Eddie uh, as Venom. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Venom seems to be there. Probably popping around in time or, you know, maybe not. Who knows? This could be, you know, Cron Stone or one of the other Venoms of the future. But I, I'm I'm so excited. I'm so in, uh, again, Spider-Man 2099. Uh, Justin Mason's going to be drawing my favorite Spider-Man costume <laughs> for five issues. So yeah, <laughs> that that's that alone. I'm so stoked for it. 
it was interesting when this was sent over from Marvel, they had like a title that said something about Maximum Carnage. Uh-huh. And some of these covers are definitely homaging Maximum Carnage covers. Oh, totally, yeah. But the press materials itself never mentions Maximum Carnage, which makes me wonder if that's a secret or if it's just the th- like a visual thematic thing. I don't know. Maybe, we'll see. yeah. Or maybe the original story title was like, Maximum Carnage 2099 or something like Wait that. Wait a minute. I got it. I just I, I just got a script from Steve. Okay. Uh, issue four, there are 50 Carnages around Spider-Man <laughs> 2099. And he says, wouldn't you call this a maximum amount of Carnages? And then he That's looks good. at the camera, at us. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> what are we supposed to be? Some type of Maximum <laughs> Carnage? <laughs> if I wrote comics, I would do stupid shit like that all the time. <laughs> And I'd probably be reviled for it. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. I also, uh, I'm also intrigued by this future Moon Knight uh, on a couple of these covers yeah. too. Yeah, there's a couple I, of cool things here. This is gonna be great. This is gonna be so fun. Justin Mason is, is a, a sick artist for this. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we're in for a treat. Yeah. It is the summer of symb- symbiotes, though. Um, oh sure. As Cameron Crowe said in the famous film Fast Times at Ridgemont High. He does say that. <laughs> No, uh, it's so, always yeah. weird when Cameron Crowe walks on screen in one of his own movies. I know, and he looks right at you, and he's yeah. like, "You had me at hello," and you're like, "Okay, this is the wrong movie." This truly was a he Vanilla Sky. He said that in We Bought a Zoo. He said that. That's right. That. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, uh, earlier this week, Marvel teased the death of Venomverse, uh, and everyone was like, "What Venomverse? That was something Cullen Bunn did." Well, at least I said that in my news. But, uh-huh. <laughs> but then they announced uh, Extreme Venomverse, number yeah. one, which is part of the 35th anniversary of Venom, which is why we're having Summer of Symbiotes. So it's launching in May. It sure um, looks extreme. <laughs> it does. There's a lot of different symbiotes on this cover. Yeah, yeah. Most of them in black and white, so maybe they're related to Venom. But the solicit uh, says that we'll be getting new symbiotes, mm. uh, which is... Always cool, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, I know Marvel Legends is probably excited to make more toys. <laughs> sure. Uh, there's some great talent behind this uh, this five-issue series, which is multiple stories. Uh, Ryan North, Leonardo Romero, Mirko and Dolfo, they're all supplying yeah. tales. Um, we're going to have Ryan North on the show in a few weeks, actually. Maybe we could talk about this. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking that. I just want to know everything about this uh, samurai venom. I like the little kid in the bottom. I uh-huh. think it might be like a young Dylan, maybe. But yeah, Samurai Venom looks sick. Yeah. So that's coming. I, I, I'm I, very curious what they're going to do with the Summer of Symbiotes because this isn't actually like the main thing. There's right. another thing happening in the summer. Right. This is just sort of leading into it. But we'll find out soon, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. This might have been the biggest like announcement news as far as titles go. Uh, Captain Marvel-led Avengers number one is launching May 17th, and this one's going to be written by Jed McKay, with art by C.F. Villa, you Gosh. know them both. They've worked together multiple times. Yeah, uh, but a lot of people were abuzz with the lineup sure. on this team because we know the full lineup <laughs> of Avengers here. Yeah, uh, Captain Marvel, I just said, is leading, and then there's going to be Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, Black Panther, Scarlet Witch, and Vision on this team. Jed McKay tweeted a thing this morning, or it might have been last night, where he's like, "Oh yeah, cool. That thing after a book gets announced, where everyone shows up to tell me who really should be on the lineup of the book I'm writing." <laughs> totally. People have their opinions. Uh huh. No, I I love this lineup. I I'm very excited to see what McKay does with it. I I mean, the guy doesn't really miss for me. Um, I am curious to know if he's going to be able to keep up the momentum with like. There's, he's writing so many books right now. 
Yeah, it made me wonder if he's going to drop Moon Knight. Like, does he have? Who has the time to do all of these books? Because right. we already know he's he's definitely doing Doctor Strange. Right, right. So, how many can he continue to do? Unless he's the busiest man ever. Which you know what? If if he can keep <laughs> if he can keep it up, I will keep reading them. Uh, this is yeah, this is really exciting. He said this is big, loud Avengers stuff. Nothing in this story mm. should ever feel small or inconsequential, and our lineup reflects that. Totally. Yep. That rules. Yeah, I, I like I like the fact that Scarlet Witch is on the team. That's a that's a nice uh, different take, yeah. take especially since Less. Orlando is sort of doing something new with her right now too. Yeah, I'm 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 here for the the you know the rise of Wanda again. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, something that I forgot to put on our agenda, so yeah. bear with me, Nathan. But go uh, for it. Ghost Rider and Wolverine are also colliding in Weapons oh, of Vengeance. Sure. In August. Yeah. August. They announced what? <laughs> Yeah, very. Why do early. I need to know about this now? I was uh, I was really excited about this because the the current Ghost Rider series has like sort of made Logan and Johnny like bros more than yes. they've been in a, since like the early '90s. I feel like right, right. Um, and I I really dug that. So seeing more of that dynamic from the from a similar, I think it's the same creative team, right? Or it's le- it's at least Ben Percy writing it. It's Jeff Shaw on art, yeah. Oh, okay, cool, yeah. Which is uh, sick. He was yeah, so yeah, good yeah. on that uh, Thanos uh, run with uh, Donny Cates. Totally, yeah, that's going to be fun. Yeah, he, the slogan mentions weapons of vengeance, which uh-huh. uh, which is a nice callback, but also Wolverine on the cover by Ryan Stegman <laughs> on a motorcycle with both hands in the air. That yeah. is dangerous, Logan. He's having a good time. Do not ride a motorcycle like He's that. He's having a okay? good time. <laughs> Uh, so it's what's kind of fascinating about this news not 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 just because it's incredibly early to be getting news about a series out in August, uh-huh. but it literally spins out of Fall of X, the big summer X Men event that we don't right. know anything about yet. Right. So there is actually like a tidbit in this solicit saying Wolverine is on the run after the shocking events of Fall of X. That's oh. all we know. But it's shocking. I mean, I was expecting it to be not shocking at all. And he's <laughs> and he's done something that's made people <laughs> angry. So like, right? Yeah. But yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, it's cool to see the Ben Percy's having some more fun with uh, his ghostwriter because it has been a blast. Yeah, it really has in a, in a horror aspect. And then finally, in our last bit of news, yes, I know we're still talking news. Boy, howdy! The full April 2023 DC Comics solicitations came out. Yeah, um, with it was a lot of cool art, of course. Yeah. So again, go to aptcomics.com to see all that art. But uh, some cool stuff like a new Green Land, uh, Green Arrow uh, series is being launched right. mm-hmm. uh, by Josh yeah. Williamson and Sean Isaacs, which we already knew about, but it's right. cool to see all the covers that are now out for it. Definitely, especially this this one that has sort of what we can expect to be the supporting cast of this yes. book. Yes, um, it's so good. Yeah, very excited about all of that. Very Super excited! For, so excited for Superboy Man of Tomorrow. Absolutely. That was the one that won the round robin last year. That's it's, right. I think this was supposed to come out much sooner, but hey, it's finally coming out. Right. Uh, Williamson is also writing a Superman title, uh, so there's more information on that. Tom Taylor's Adventures of Superman is also ongoing, which I believe uses the blue electric Superman. Is that right? That's right. John yeah. Kent uh, with electric powers. Something going on there. I think we actually got a hint of what's going on there uh, a week or so ago with a an assault on Krypton. Yeah, planet tie-ins. Yeah. Uh, we've also got DC Speechless by Gustavo Duarte, which That's is, neat. Uh, yeah, a, a series of uh, six, it's six short stories mm-hmm. uh, that are done uh, with, uh, sans dialogue. Uh, mm. 
So Harley Quinn, uh, where does Harley buy her mallets? What happens to Superman's radioactive clothes? What's a day off like for Cyborg? <laughs> I can't wait to That's check awesome. this out. 56 pages, only five ninety nine. pretty good value. Yeah, it is. Uh, Rom V's uh, Detective Comics continues uh, with 1071. Yeah. God, that number's getting so high. Uh, <laughs> it's a big and, number. Uh, there's a character called Cheshire Cat. Is that a new character? Um, because it's not it's not Cheshire like the the assassin. So I think maybe. Hmm. Interesting. If you're a collector of collections, uh, yes. there's a new Preacher omnibus coming out as well, which is pretty cool. As well as a new uh, Sandman um, oh, collection. You know what? The uh, mm. well, so yeah, the Cheshire Cat is in. Oh yeah, you're right. Never mind. That is in Detective. I was, I was, I was getting it mixed up with um, Zdarsky's uh, weird little alternate universe story we're starting. Oh now. Yeah. yes, yes, which yes. I'm excited about as well. Um, yeah, we've also got a, a new Nightmare Country uh, miniseries mm-hmm. kicking yep. off. Yeah. Uh, if you're Alan Moore, you're probably annoyed because there's an absolute V for Vendetta coming out, sure, and a Tom Strong compendium coming out. I am excited for Tom <laughs> Strong for sure. Oh, it's one of my favorites. It's so good. I actually own it all in like single trade, but maybe that is worth picking up just yeah. for like shelf ability. You know what I mean? For sure. Shelf ability. That's a word. Shelf ability. <laughs> also, the first volume of uh, G. Willow Wilson and Marcio Takara's Poison Ivy, uh, mm-hmm. volume one of uh, uh, Tom Taylor, Bruno Redondo's Nightwing. Like these mm-hmm. are, they're kind of repressing a lot of these, making sure everybody gets them in time for reward season. Ye- <laughs> yep, that's true. But uh, yeah, check out the full solicitations. There's lots of cool goodies in there. Mm. So much good art. God damn it, DC and Marvel. You have all the money to pay the good artists. (laughs) I'm also glad that the uh, Power of Shazam uh, collections apparently sold well enough that they're going to continue putting these out because that Jerry Ordway series is so fucking good. Mm -hmm. Yep. Faux show. You know, I'm glad Batgirls is still ongoing too because Me too. that was like a book that like everyone everyone was really ups- was excited when it was announced. This God, what was it like two years ago now? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's like these characters deserve their own book. Yes. and I was like, ah, it'll probably only last six issues, but no, it's it's going on. Everyone buy your comics because uh, it means the books will keep coming out. Oh, also, uh, Gotham Academy the mm. uh, the Gotham Academy collection, 472 pages. It's like the first uh, mm. the first series plus their the annual. Doesn't seem to include the uh, end game tie in, which is kind of interesting. But yeah, mm. really excited about that as well. That's one of my favorite books of the last like decade. Some of these solicits are interesting too, because like. Uh, the Teen Titans Go box set isn't mm-hmm. out until August, and yet it's in the April solicits. I guess you can start ordering it in April. Yeah, the, in September, we're getting that Superman 78, Batman 89 box set that looks like a VHS tape. And I am oh, just, that's so it's, cool. it's so rad. <laughs> it's the kind of thing you buy, and you're just like, I have it. It's mine now. I have yeah, it. Yeah, yes. <laughs> well, that's it for news. Moving on to our top books of the week. We're going to talk about our top two favorite comics out this week. And like we said earlier, yeah. this was a very, very hard week. It really was. Pick. I actually had a different... A list here at one point, uh, but I had to erase it and start over. Yeah, uh, I can go first. My yeah. um, my favorite uh, second favorite book of the week was Batman One Bad Day Bane by Joshua Williamson and Howard Porter. Whew. These One Bad Day books are so good. They're they're yeah. they're hitting like nine out of ten, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, having just read the Clayface one for an interview, I, we're in for a treat if they ever do like a um like a hardcover of all these. I they probably won't. But I think that right now they're just going to be printing them as their own hardcovers each one. Sure. Because they are extended uh, issues. Most of them are like 64 pages. Mm-hmm. 
This one, though, um, again, this is out of continuity mm -hmm. for the series, and it's just it's a, a really clever take on Bane. Mm -hmm. It's him post Batman, you know, being the Cape Crusader, or at least we think he is at the start. The world is kind of a little dystopian. Uh, but he has his own mansion. He's like, he's almost like a, a different version of Batman in his life. <laughs> sure. And he's worn. He doesn't have Venom anymore. He hates Venom, in fact. Yeah. And we get to see him try to stop the last uh, batch of Venom from being created and distributed. And there's some very clever ties to Bane and Breaking of Batman that mm -hmm. Williamson comes up with that is, I think, a, a good take. It's a smart take in that if... The greatest thing you ever did was break the bat. What do you do then? What's the rest of your life like? Well, and that's that's one of the things that I think is so fascinating about this story is that it it sort of is a metatextual look at Bane being sort of a gimmick character when he was first introduced, right? So mm -hmm. it's like he's like, what? Like I have I've literally accomplished nothing else that I'm proud of. So like, <laughs> how do I how do I end? How does this life end for me? Right. Right. It's right. it's it's excellent, absolutely. I I do think it's a uh, it's odd that like the the one bad day branding is seems yeah. to just be sort of like an idea of a letterhead so that or figurehead so that people can uh, tell you know these interesting stories with with these characters. But it the the implication of one bad day to me feels like we're supposed to be getting sort of origin tied stories. But it, yeah. It, um, but you know, uh, whatever. I'm I, whatever form it takes. I'm I'm glad it's out there. And man, I forgot how much I loved seeing Howard Porter draw Batman. Oh my god, so good. Gosh, yeah. He he did a couple issues with Josh last year. Yep. During that shadow, what is it? Shadow line. Shadow war. Shadow war. Yeah. Yeah. Good lord, Batman is just like a. He's not even human. He's like a demon. His <laughs> the, the cape and stuff looks. So oh cool. yeah. I mean his his run on JLA with Grant Morrison is just like mm. some all timer stuff. Like mm -hmm. he's he's one of the one of the right artists that added the uh, sort of hooks into the cape uh, at the yeah. on the shoulders, and that, that's just always such a cool look to me. I wonder if you know Marvel kind of scooped up and stole the idea of black, white, and red from uh -huh. Harley Quinn, and they did it with we talked about this last week a multiple series. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to try to snatch this idea up and be like, let's do, you know, once a month these primo tape primo creative teams on specific villains. Maybe Spider Man, for instance, could be a good one. Yeah, I, I would find. I would do buy it. that like crazy. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> do it. Go on. I dare you. But uh, what was your second favorite book of the week? My second favorite book of the week was Strange, number 10, by uh, Jed McKay and Marcelo Ferreira. Um, this is the grand conclusion of the storyline in which uh, Stephen Strange, the, the, the Sorcerer Supreme of Death, and mm -hmm. Clea Strange, the Sorcerer Supreme of Earth and the Dark Dimension, uh, take the fight to the Blasphemy Cartel and try to finally put an end to their evil machinations. But unfortunately... You have to fight a zombified version of the Sentry, and it's scarier than it sounds. <laughs> yeah, and he's like so such a threat that like he like literally he'll be able to kill all the Avengers if he's allowed to leave this uh -huh. battle, right? It was uh, it was my favorite book of the week. Yes, uh, it's it was like the perfect ending to Strange. And while I think Aclea deserves twelve issues, yeah, I won't be I won't, I won't more. lie there. Uh, yeah, but uh, to end the book this way, in a romantic way, yes. in, a, in a way that shows she is equal to Doctor Strange, uh -huh. or in this case, he's Harvestman for most of this book, in uh, just a beautiful sequence that Marcella Ferreira draws over three or four pages, I think. Yeah. 
of them bit of a spoiler but combining into something new was such a cool concept but also just sort of saying like screw the consequences we're gonna be together yeah um and i i was telling i was telling my girlfriend this week so i we we were having a conversation about movies i was a little drunk and i said (laughs) that Uh i love the movie interstellar so much because like the end of that movie essentially is love is greater than space. <laughs> and that's such like a, such yeah. a beautiful idea for like a filmmaker who, who tends to be a little antiseptic, like, like sure, Christopher sure. Nolan. And I, 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 and then we, you know, she said, that's just like the most Nathan thing you could possibly say. And then the next day I read strange number 10 yeah. and I texted her and I said, the new Dr. Strange series ends with love being greater than magic. <laughs> <laughs> And, That's an interesting, interesting connection. And I was just, I was so bowled over and so like smiling ear to ear through mm-hmm. this sequence where that, yeah, they, they say like, okay, if we're going to die, we're going to die together. And yeah. that willingness to, to, to be together, uh, you know, damn the consequences ends up saving the day in, in this really incredible way. I just love it. I love it. I wonder if we'll see this combo again, since Clea is going right. to be in Dr. Strange, the new ongoing. And didn't you get like a eternity vibe from their the yes, look of what they I think became? that is I think that is purposeful absolutely because they're also like tied yeah. into everything and yeah I, it it sure seems purposeful. Strange is one of the reasons why I think we're both super excited for Avengers yes. because Jed McKay he just has so many great ideas and uh-huh. you know often in comics you have great ideas but they're kind of sparse or or spread out over a story arc or multiple story arcs. But it seems like Jed McKay has great ideas in every issue. But it's these big, beautiful marquee moments that also Mm. come back to character, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's what's so, that's what's so impressive about this. Totally. Totally. Uh, But what was your favorite book of the week? My favorite book of the week was Batgirls number 14 by Becky Cloonan, Michael Conrad, and Jonathan Case. Uh, This is an all silent issue. Nice. Um, So, uh, Cass has been trying to find Stephanie after she's been taken by her father. Mm -hmm. um, And she's kind of going off of very, uh, very small clues that she got because they recently body swapped. Um, And it's sort of this, uh, she understandably feels a little hopeless because this city is huge and she's going up against like some genius villains. And, uh, but the, 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 silent storytelling throughout this is so engaging i mean there's so much done with just facial expressions or uh sparse uh sound effects at one point um cast reads a letter that was left for her by stephanie but there's no you know uh spoken dialogue really that that Mm -hmm. that can interrupt the flow of the story and so we just get this beautiful fluid artwork by Jonathan Case and just unbelievably gorgeous colors. And you almost feel like you're seeing the world the way that Cassandra sees it. Mm. Um, uh, it was uh, on AIPT. Uh, Connor Boyd reviewed it for us. And the, uh, I, I think he sums it up perfectly. Uh, Bad girls. Number 14 is a master class and all that comics can be in a testament that sometimes less is more. Hmm. Wow. Well, said. Uh, yeah. And I, I'm a, I'm a sucker for a, a story, an issue like this that doesn't feel like a gimmick. Like, if you're going to do a silent right. story, Cassandra Kane's the character you use, right? Right. Totally. Uh, and it's just, yeah, it's it's uh, it fully understands these characters and their connections to one another and somehow managed to, like, get me choked up with almost, you know, 
no written words on the page. <laughs> it's really fantastic. A picture is worth a thousand words. Absolutely. Say. Nice pick, man. Thanks. <laughs> Just saying that is like a gimmick I have to say. I love it. Moving on to our next segment, standout. Kabow! Moment of the week. It's the moment of the week. Kabow! <laughs> Sorry, I had to do a little sound That was a it. delight. Uh, my favorite moment of the week is from yeah. a book I was very close to being in my top two, but I had to nix it for whatever reason. I don't know. My brain was <laughs> broken that day. And uh, it's from Nightwing number 100 by Tom Taylor, Bruno Redondo, and a bunch of other creators. But uh, this page specifically is uh, Bruno Redondo. And uh, it's a moment, if you go to aptcomics.com, go to this podcast post, you can see this art in full. But it's a moment where Nightwing and Bruce Wayne, Batman, connect on a father-son level. Yeah. Super heartwarming. I can't believe Tom Taylor had the two, maybe the two most important hugs in comics ever <laughs> in the span of three or four months now. Uh-huh. But uh, for Nightwing to say, I love you, dad, to Bruce is really touching. This whole scene is really great. Yes. Uh, they're both kind of coming clean on the fact that with Alfred gone, he was their connection. Yeah. He, he kept them connected. He kept them aware of each other but kept them honest kept them from arguing with each other all the time yeah and with him gone they both kind of realized they lost each other yeah and um they reconnect here in a real way and an honest way that i think a lot of people will find touching and also like for their own personal lives maybe motivating to go hug your dad yeah this was i i loved this moment this was in, in a really truly fantastic issue this was this was a standout for me yeah, totally. What was your favorite moment of the week? I cheated. Uh, oh I have two, God. but they're from the same book. Um, uh, from Batman One Bad Day, Bane by Joshua Williamson and Howard Porter. One of these is uh, Bane going back to his home, sitting down by the fire and uh, looking up at a uh, framed newspaper uh, of of him breaking Batman's back and tossing him off a rooftop. Uh, <laughs> and he has this moment where he smiles And over the course of a couple of panels, the smile fades and he just puts his head down like Mm. it's it's both his greatest triumph and just like his greatest shame. And I just the acting in this sequence is so good. Yeah. yeah. Um, And on the polar opposite of that, (laughs) (laughs) I have a moment where Bane rips a guy's jaw off with his bare head, grabs him by the beard, pulls off his jaw and throws it on the ground, and that is uh, punctuated by a splat that is drawn in blood and just sort of dynamically inserted into the, the into the space. Like it just yeah, yeah. it looks. You get so much kinetic like momentum from the way that splat just sort of jumps out at you. I, I love it. That dude's hair follicles and his beard are super strong. So strong. <laughs> yeah. He, his, his beard is made of Spider-Man's webs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, such a, a great visual issue. So cool. Yeah, so yeah. Ways. The color, too, just so eye- eye-catching. Yeah, yeah. Go check that one out. In our next segment, Top Books for next week, we're going to talk about our most anticipated comics out next week. There's a lot of good comics out next week. Again. Yep. It was really tough uh, to narrow like it down. Sins of Sinisters coming out, for instance. Yeah. Uh, but my most anticipated book is Saga number 61 by Brian yeah. K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples for all the reasons you already know. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, it's coming back from another hiatus. Uh, this time it was only a few months. Um, but it's great to have Saga back on a regular kind of schedule. Absolutely. And um, the adventure continues. So I don't think there's anything else to say. If you haven't picked up Saga, it's a fantastic sci-fi fantasy mm-hmm. uh, like no other uh, – to the point where when there are sci-fi fantasies that come up that are similar, we have to compare it to Saga because Saga is like the 
the Bible of that kind of genre. Yeah, absolutely. But what is your most anticipated book? Uh, I got to give it up to our guest this week. I'm looking forward to Detective Comics number 1063 by Ram V, Raphael Albuquerque, and Ivan Reese. Uh, this is a story built around Harvey Dent and his inner struggles. And uh, there is a dual nature to this book that we will get into very soon in our interview. But uh, I just think it's fascinating and a really, really clever idea. I can't believe I haven't seen a Two-Face story done quite like this before. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like you you hinted at earlier, if you're a fan of Two-Face, this is going to... Uh, this is really going to scratch that itch. It, it gets this into psychology. You. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It's a, it's a really cool, really ambitious uh, issue of comics. Nice. Uh, moving on to our next segment, Judging by the Cover. Junior. We're going to sing it to you every week. We're never going to bottle that up. Nope. <laughs> Uh, what's your favorite cover out next week? I love the variant cover uh, for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, The Lost Years, number one, by Clayton mm-hmm. Crane. Uh, this cover uh, features uh, the titular Ronin himself. Uh, I don't want to spoil it, uh, Who, which turtle this is, if you haven't read the uh, the mm. original series. But yeah. uh, ov- jumping over a group of uh, Foot Clan soldiers, and this kick he's doing is literally slicing through the rain that's pouring down on him uh i just i it's such a cool visual and i love it yeah it's really cool there's actually it's funny idw um sent press uh another one of these covers and there's a back there's a back to it which apparently spoils something in this and they they were like please don't post that okay good to know (laughs) Yeah, uh, there's a, if you like Last Ronin, there's a lot coming this mm-hmm. year. Um, actually, we didn't talk about it in the news, but um, there's a director's cut coming in April. That's right, yeah. And there's also a, uh, a one-shot that will uh, delve a little deeper with anthology-style stories um, awesome. in this universe. Yeah, yeah, I love this universe, loved that miniseries, so more more Ro- Last Ronin is exciting. Mm-hmm, sure is. Uh, my favorite cover is by Alex Garner's for Holly Quinn number 26. Mm-hmm. It's actually a cover I think I sent to you and other people when it was announced in the solicits. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, it's got Harley Quinn um, sort of bowing, like, or is it bowing? It's, uh, you know, like saying, you know. Uh, yeah, taking a enjoy bow. Enjoy the show. Taking yeah. a bow, yeah. Beneath her are two dudes who look like they're, they are, straight from uh, Let Clockwork Orange. Uh-huh. They were just enjoying some uh, milk, and she beat the crap out of them. Apparently, <laughs> it is yeah. just so beautiful. It's like mm-hmm. it's the the play with light is really cool. Yeah, the 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 fact that she's like in the center and like drawing your eye, and then down below her are these numbskulls. It's like you <laughs> sure. your eye goes to her, and then you see why she's bowing. It's like this dramatic effect that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. No, this is a great cover. This same issue has another cover that's just absolutely fabulous with yeah. Harley Quinn in a tub with these uh, pink bubbles. But Oh, right. Yes. I'm going with this one for, for my favorite cover of the week. Really, really great choice. And then in our final segment, join us as Ram V joins the show to talk about Detective Comics, Carnage, and more. Woo! Okay, on with us is Ram. Ram, thank you so much for being on the AAPT Comics Podcast. My pleasure, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. When it comes to Detective Comics and your run so far, an interviewer with less skill than I might say <laughs> Gotham is a character, similar to when people are like, New York is a character in my story. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that feels unique, it's noir, uh, I would say ornate. How important was for you to get the approach to Gotham right? Well, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer that and, and be 
cheaply contradictory in that <laughs> yes Gotham is a character but but this has also been a hallmark of my work outside of uh mm-hmm. the detective stuff like I, I wrote a book called Paradiso uh Living City there I did Graffiti's Wall which is talked about Mumbai so psychogeography as a, as a subject has been an important part of my work um but also I feel like just as just as you did when you said a less skilled interviewer might ask you I feel like <laughs> That's become now an easy kind of shorthand to say, oh, the city is interesting. Mm-hmm. Right. But I feel like there's a conversation to be had, certainly in the case of Gotham, of whether the city has become more interesting than its denizens. Oh, sure. And more valuable than its denizens. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly over the long history of Batman comics, like Batman's always saving Gotham. But is he saving the people of Gotham? Or is he saving this image of Gotham that this he institution. has institution. Yes. This property. I mean, we kind of touched on it in the, in the issue that came out where mm-hmm. Freeze says, are you trying to preserve this innocent vision of Gotham that you've had in your head? Mm-hmm. Or are you actually trying to preserve the Gotham that is outside your window, not in your head? Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think that's an interesting sort of question to answer through some of this, or at least explore through some of this. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned the Mr. Freeze issue, and I, I, Dave and I were just talking before you hopped on about how much I love the the dialogue and the captioning in this book, and 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 in a in a in a way that like really captured me on your Swamp Thing run. A lot of the dialogue is very poetic and lyrical, mm-hmm. and uh, especially I saw a commenter for the Mr. Freeze episode or issue say something like, "I can hear Michael and Sarah <laughs> saying yeah, this yeah, dialogue." Yeah. Uh, which made my day because it's totally true. But it also made my day because yeah. it's, and this is a hilarious anecdote. While I was writing this issue, I was mm-hmm. walking around the, uh, the the house kind of trying to speak in the Michael and Sarah oh, voice. Sure. And, oh, wow. and my wife, whose office is just downstairs, I would walk down to her office and be like, how does this sound? And just do <laughs> like a monologue in this yeah. kind of monotone. Yes. Um, you it's a dangerous game you play Batman kind of voice <laughs> and my wife was like you know you have a really weird job right <laughs> but no That's he was funny. always one of my favorites because he got those juicy speeches uh yeah yeah uh do you, was that a was that a conscious decision going into this to 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 go for a, a sort of more lyrical prose style for for dialogue I mean I think when we started out with this run, we said it was going to be operatic. It was going sure. to be um, that kind of grand narrative. Um, that's part of what I meant. I mean, people people always assume that like the most direct connection is, oh, it's got music in it and it's going to be right. you know, involved. I'm like, yes, but also operatic means every dialogue is like heightened to number yes. 12 on the drama scale and everyone is trying to be poetic i mean mm-hmm. a great example of this is if you watch the hannibal tv show mm-hmm. like no one in that tv show ever sits across his dinner table and just goes like so how was your wednesday no <laughs> it, it, it's always like this wine says something philosophical about the way mm-hmm. i consume my food today would you like to hear it and i think <laughs> I think there's something really cool to be done with that aesthetic, certainly Mm -hmm. given the fact that maybe the past decade of Batman comics has all been this kind of very functional soldier. I'm going to get everything done, very clear cut. And 
the the stories that I grew up with for the Batman stuff certainly um, because I didn't have access to a lot of comics was all the uh, animated series stuff. Yeah, and that one is very poetic. That one is very tragic, lyrical. People always talk in these kind of. Sure, it has it has one off episodes here and there where you've got quirky characters, but largely all of their big villains. Like if you think about uh, Freeze, if you think about Mask of the Phantasm, if you yeah. even think about people like Riddler in that show, they're all these kind of poetic, lyrical characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I. Do you, oh, go ahead. Do you write poetry for fun? No, it's the it's the one thing I am terribly intimidated by. <laughs> um, Interesting. I feel like I feel like my prose is trying to be poetry, but I am not mm. brave enough to actually write poetry. I, I was I was telling my girlfriend last night that I I just I there's a bit where it's in I think 1063 when Harvey and Bruce are having the conversation in the club, and Bruce says something to the effect of something's changed in the stillness and shadow. And I, and I said, I, I love that Bruce Wayne is just as dramatic as Batman. It's not an on and off switch. Like there's, yeah, yeah, there's a flair yeah. to him. <laughs> yeah, every everything in this, certainly in this run, is intended to be like these are these are dramatic characters, regardless yeah. of whether they have their alternate identities on or not. Yeah. I mean, speaking of drama, switching gears to art, uh, Rafael Albuquerque and Ivan Rice are so good at this dark and grungy yeah. uh, visual style. What made them the perfect fit? Were they your first choice? Uh, well, Raphael certainly, um, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say first choice because I'm going to tell you the story of how we ended oh, cool. up working together. Great. Yeah. Um, we were actually looking for a lot of, looking through a lot of different artists we thought would be available. And unfortunately, because of the way the timeline on the book felt, uh, sort of came in uh, mm-hmm. a lot of these artists didn't have enough advance notice to be like oh yeah I can start right and uh, we were we were kind of getting down to the wire and getting a bit nervous about like oh man who do we ask and then 3 a.m in the morning here in the UK I get a text from Jessica Chen that, that says oh I just randomly completely randomly messaged Raphael because I thought his art style would be a good match and he said yes and then uh. Nice. Lo and behold, after that, everything clicks into my head and I go like, well, of course, why didn't we ask him first? Because <laughs> American Vampire, yeah, mm-hmm. all-star, right. all-star Batman, like it, his work is evidently falls into that sort of moving shadows, uh, very, very high drama, noir kind of work. Uh, and so we should have thought of him first, but it, it you know, I'm not complaining at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's great. And with, with Ivan, I think Ivan was already working on the book prior to my run as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so if anything, in that case, I, I feel a little bit proud because so many of the reviews have been like, oh, Ivan was working on this book, but suddenly with this run, mm. his art seems to be doing something that I haven't seen him do in a while. And you can hear it in Ivan's voice as well because he's like, "Oh, I haven't had the opportunity to do this kind of work, uh, yes. and so I'm quite, I'm really enjoying it." Um, and I think that's part of what that sort of operatic aesthetic does as well. Is it encourages artists to be like, "No, you don't need to. You don't need to draw characters constantly running or jumping from rooftops. Mm-hmm. It's okay to just stand there and deliver a monologue for two panels." You know. <laughs> 
Well, and, and speaking of the, the artwork, you've got a very uh, different approach to the layout and formatting for uh, Detective Comics 1068, which comes out this week. Yes. So, um, yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to say it, it, it wasn't my idea originally. So the credit for this goes to Jessica Chen, who's the editor on the book. Okay. She said, hey, if we're going to do a Two-Face centric issue, like, why don't we try and do something that's like symmetrical, like Two-Face? And what she meant was like, okay, can we do an issue that kind of mirrors each other on the left mm -hmm. and right or something like that? And then my brain just went like, okay, in how many ways can we make this book symmetrical? So every spread, the left-hand side page and the right-hand side page are both left and right and top yeah. to bottom mirror images of each other. Uh, but also the first half of the book and the second half of the book kind of mirror each other as an argument in terms of why should I do this or shouldn't I do this? Um, and then the center of the book is a splash page that essentially boils down that argument to, to two cases with mm -hmm. Two-Face and Batman. Uh, the first line of the book and the last line of the book mirror each other. Um, wow. What else? <laughs> did, I mean, did you find this to be like an exciting challenge or did you get halfway through and think, God, what have I done? <laughs> what, no, have I, no. what have I done to myself? <laughs> no, I mean, it was um, it was certainly challenging because mm -hmm. you have to do a lot of things that are counterintuitive to how I would otherwise write a story. Sure. So usually I would outline, you know, break it down into pages, write the story and then figure out the layouts. Whereas in this case. I had to figure out the layouts first hmm. and then separately plot and write the story mm -hmm. and then go, now, how do I make these two things fit in the same book? Right. Um, and so, yeah, so so there are bits of the story that needed to be changed to fit into the layouts. There are bits mm -hmm. of the layouts that needed to be changed to fit in the story. But also, specifically here it's really useful to work with oh yeah another way the book is symmetrical is there are two artists rafa yes. and ivan um and and the reason i bring that up is it's really made my life a lot easier to work with both of them because they're really good friends and so nice. it makes it a lot easier because i'm not coordinating the mirroring of the layouts between the two of them they are doing that by themselves that's so, great that's great nice so instead of like, if you were to do like movie terms, usually you start as the screenwriter, or, but now you're starting as almost a cinematographer, thinking of what the shots are before, and then trying to make them fit. Kind of, yeah, yeah. I mean, not really a cinematographer, more more like a, a, a director or EP mm -hmm. in that I'm designing the narrative, mm -hmm. but the individual shots and the panels are still being, being taken on by the artist. Uh, and also, I would say that that directorial role is probably split between the three of us, between Rafa, Ivan, and myself, because all I had to do is, is draw rectangles on a page, <laughs> and then they had to figure out how to make it work. So, right. Yeah. Wow. Uh, one of the things that I, I, I really dug about this run is the the conversations, the dialogue between Two Face and Harvey. And Two Face is oh yeah. So another form yeah. of symmetry. The yes. entire issue is right. an argument that a person is having with themselves. If mm -hmm. Yeah. And and Two Face consistently tells Harvey he's the only one looking out for him. That he cares about him. Do you, do you think there is some truth there? Is there or is this like the most insular, abusive relationship ever? <laughs> I mean, I think 
the bigger picture of it is that mm -hmm. we and and this goes back to to a way to the way a lot of societies think about mm -hmm. either mental health issues or uh, subversive cultural artifacts like the, the the first reaction to looking at someone listening to like screaming thrash metal is to go like oh they're a misfit they don't belong here amongst mm -hmm. us good people you know um mm -hmm. and and the reason that reaction exists is because we think that if we separate all the bad stuff all the negative connotations out mm -hmm. whatever is left is good mm. and you mm. you can't do that like good doesn't exist when you separate it from bad the the idea of something being good is necessarily either in the face of or despite embracing all that is dark and 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 negative about you right and if you think of that as as an argument that two-face is having with himself then one part of two-face is like i hate this side of me that is terrible and, and awful and i want to be rid of it um is that the right approach or is that side going like i know i'm terrible i know i'm awful but i'm still looking out for you Sure. I'm still protecting you. So you're going to have to learn to live with me, to contend with me, but pushing me away is going to do nothing. And so that is the the essence of that character argument, if you will. I love that. I mean, it is, it's in service of trying to do the right thing. I mean, I think that is what Harvey wants at the end of the day, but it's, it is, he has, he has to, he has to make peace with this, his worst angels you know <laughs> yeah yeah and i think they also comments on i suppose the way two-face was cured mm -hmm. um with with batman removing this kind of bullet that was fired into head his head and so the bullet becomes a metaphor for here i have removed all the terrible things from you have you really <laughs> uh, and so yeah do you think this is why people are interested in these stories of duality because they're trying to find the good in themselves or questioning their own actions? Like, yeah, we I see think, these kind of stories a lot. I think well, not a lot, but here and there. I think duality in itself, as a, as a philosophical concept, only exists because we recognize in ourselves the tendency to not be us mm -hmm. or not be the version of us that we approve of, if you will, um, and and. If anything, historical evidence has shown that repression is a terrible, terrible way of dealing with it. So when you uh, exited uh, like a party and you said something really stupid, <laughs> is that you being a little bit like Two-Face and you're questioning <laughs> what you said and you could have said it better? And why didn't I say? I mean, et cetera, et cetera. I I'll give you I'll give you a worse example. I was saying, <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> make like, me look better. <laughs> I'm, let's say let's say I'm in a relationship. I'm a young teenager and I say yeah. something that I probably shouldn't have said in that relationship, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The relationship yeah. breaks apart years later. Now I'm like 41. I still sometimes think back to that night and go like, that was mm. a terrible thing to say. Why yeah. did I say it? And right. I don't know why, but mm -hmm. I said it. And, and you don't recognize deny... that person. <laughs> yes, I don't recognize that person. That's, yeah. that's my two-face, right? Sure. And I could deny it. I could I could live the rest of my life going like no that doesn't that didn't happen you know snap my fingers but then that will mean it will happen again and again and again right. until I come to a point where I can look myself in the mirror and go like no this part of me exists 
and I need to learn to contend with it. I need to learn why it exists, how it exists, and I need to learn how to deal with that side of myself. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I mean, I don't know, that's a, that's a healthier way for me to cope with it, certainly. Mm. But now I take that and, and apply that philosophy to this kind of overly dramatic, gun-wielding <laughs> DA slash sure. criminal character. And it's essentially the same argument. But right. it's way more interesting when Harvey Dent's having it than, than me. <laughs> yeah. So you've got my imagination going. Now I'm imagining you 10 years from now going, I need to, to draw on that version of me that said that terrible thing 30 years ago. And then I need to use that energy in this conversation. <laughs> but I mean, I am doing that, right? Like every every yeah, yeah. every interesting writer to some extent yes. does that. They're drawing, they're drawing on parts of themselves when they're writing mm -hmm. these characters. Like even with Bruce Wayne growing older and this idea that if you want to keep doing what you're doing, like I, I watched a documentary on movie uh, a few weeks ago about um, American fitness and their obsession with steroids. Sure. Um, yeah. Certainly sports fitness and, and like fitness on show. So that kind of suddenly clicked into my head. Like it's more important to appear to be fit and strong mm -hmm. than to actually be healthy. Right. <laughs> sure. Right. right. Yeah, dumping toxins into your body. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's yeah. like ter doing terrible. So now apply that to to Batman, who's growing mm -hmm. older. I can't, right. I can't be seen to be getting older. It's more important uh, for me to be seen as eternally powerful and perfect. So what am I willing to agree to? What am I willing right. to do to achieve that? Um, standing toe to toe is more important than than my own life. Uh, so, so I think I think that's an interesting mm -hmm. drive, an interesting vibe to to contend with it when you're writing a character. Yeah, everybody's making their own deals with the devil. Yeah, <laughs> mm. yeah. Kind of reminds me of Scott Snyder's run there at the end when we find out Batman's been cloning himself. Oh, sure. So that when he dies, <laughs> sure. he can have a fresh, a fresh protector. What, what kind of extremes will you go to? <laughs> um, yeah, right. yeah. As a as a music nerd, I'm curious about the song in the club in Detective 1063. Is that a, is that a real song or is that something no, written no, for it's Harvey? Something, it's something I made up. I uh, love it. Uh, that, <laughs> that's that's the closest I can get to writing poetry. So Fantastic. I do it once in a while, mm -hmm. but it is uh, set to in my head. It is set to Lyra Lynn, Lyra okay. Lynn, who 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 sang. I think the uh, songs from uh true detective season two. Oh, okay sure okay. nice yeah so I it's set have... to her voice and and her style of singing but yeah have to reread with that in mind absolutely <laughs> i have to say ram i really like detective 1068 and then after hearing your answers today i like it even more and i have to go reread it and i think everybody should go reread it after they buy it it's <laughs> like this idea of the structure i mean as someone who reviews so many comics every year like when there's something new like that introduced mm -hmm. it's so exciting mm -hmm. and do you ever find yourself trying to inf do something a little bit different every time you write a script or every time you approach a new s series i mean i think you do it too often then then you become more obsessed with being clever than being good at telling the story right sure um, absolutely but every once in a while i think it's a good thing to do it also it's interesting in specifically in this case i i had i sent this book around to a couple of people mm -hmm. um just to get their opinions um and one of them said like 
I don't notice the mirroring when I am engrossed in the story. Mm-hmm. It feels like the mirroring is in service of the narrative rather than the narrative being chopped and changed to be in service of the mirroring. And that to me is the I greatest agree. compliment. Yeah. In yeah. that yeah. the structure and the mirroring and the symmetry all add to the story rather than the other way around. So mm-hmm. so if there's an opportunity to do something like that on occasion, then then I do it. Like I think with Swamp Thing, we did that issue of of uh, completely esoteric abstract pages when he mm-hmm. when he melds with an alien spaceship um mm-hmm. and and again there that kind of cleverness that kind yeah. of formalist change was in service of the story so yeah i think anytime that kind of synchronicity is there i don't mind doing it mm-hmm. it's interesting i think about the movie like memento some people really really love that movie but sometimes i think i don't know is it just too clever for its own <laughs> good because i can't really rewatch it because i kind of know what happens and i I've, I, you know, the yeah. structure of it is what makes it great. Yeah. Whereas what you're saying is you want a balance. Yes. Um, but I think certainly, and I love a lot of Nolan's work. So mm-hmm. I think yeah. certainly his work in particular is very good at spotting these places where the structure has something to say about the narrative. Like mm-hmm. Inception the way it's structured has something to say about the nature of how we have ideas and how we think of ourselves and and how we build our own characters, right? They're all layers inside layers inside layers. Um, Same thing with Memento, Um, the the way we remember and the way we think about retribution uh, is always in the short term and always goes back and ends at Mm. moments of trauma. So all of his Mm -hmm. scenes end at moments of trauma. Um, Mm. And this is a director who has, since his very first work, I think he did a film called The Following or something yes. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, black and white, yeah. Uh, he has been, the, his primary interest is time and how that works. Time. How how many ways can you change the idea of time within a narrative? Mm-hmm. And if you look at all of his work since, everything is just messing with time. So Tenet also messing with time. Uh, I think Oppenheimer that, probably. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I think Dunkirk is the only thing that doesn't fall into that bracket, maybe. Right. I'm trying to uh, think, yeah. I mean, the the prestige is sort of playing with your own, perception. the audience's perception of time or yeah. what, yes, what, how much yes. time there is and what's past and what you can see on the surface. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not chronological. It's not linearly told in any, right. uh, in any case. So, yeah. So I'm I'm curious for for folks who are only reading detective comics from your work or folks who are only reading Carnage another book that I'm quite enjoying is there a, a connective tissue there themes or your, or your approach or something that you could recommend that would kind of sway their attention to the book they're not checking out right now do, do you find do you find a connection between these two I mean outside of the very basic idea that I'm mm-hmm. interested in telling stories that are are focused on mm-hmm. character rather than like my story is focused on who Batman is rather than right. what Batman does. So in in the same way, my story with Carnage is focused on like okay, who is Carnage, and mm-hmm. or in that case, like who are these two parts of Carnage, if you will, rather right. than what is Carnage doing next. Um, and so <laughs> that kind of character centric storytelling is mm-hmm. is probably the only link, because if there were other thematic links, then why am I writing two books? I might as well just write one. Sure. Book. So, yeah. Interesting. Uh, um, 
yeah, I, I like I like to branch out and do different things mm -hmm. uh, with with different titles. So, which is why, which is why people come to me and be like, "Oh, you're a great horror writer." I'm like, "No, I wrote Layla Star. I wrote Graffiti's Wall. <laughs> yeah, neither of right, which were right. horror books." So, um, yeah, yeah, I don't like being, I don't like being like put into a box. <laughs> I think, I think that's, I, I think that's totally fair. I, I, one of the things I love about Carnage is that it is this, you know, sort of cosmic horror book, but we're also dealing with generational trauma and and mm -hmm. the 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 the. Uh, trying to uh, again, trying to leave the ugly parts behind, or the way that I mean, the most recent issue is a haunted house story in which essentially in which bad memories have infected the world. You know, like I, yeah. I gosh, it's uh, I, I think once a month I text Dave and I say, uh, "Hey, Carnage <laughs> did something really weird and really unexpected this <laughs> month." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's been a it's been an interesting book to write mm -hmm. as well because. Uh, like I asked very early on, like really, what makes you think I would be a suitable writer mm. for Carnage? Uh -huh. And editorial Devin Lewis was the editor on the book. He was like, "No, that's why we want you on the book. We want you to do something new and interesting and different." Mm -hmm. um, and I think pretty much every issue has been something unexpected in terms of what you, what you, what your expectations are of a Carnage book. Mm -hmm. uh, and and you know, I'm happy to continue. To, to defy those expectations each time. Like Fantastic. when we started out, people were like, oh, this is a detective noir book, three issues in. Wait, he's in he's in what? He's in Spartan time killing elves? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now he's in now he's in hell killing Malekith? What? That's funny. <laughs> and speaking of like, you know, changing and, and augmenting and, and playing around with what people think about the character. I mean, Venom is the same. Like your work with Dylan, uh, with Al Ewing on, on the book as well, like I couldn't believe the the swing you guys took with the first issue just because like Donnie Cates and uh, Ryan Stegman did such an, a, an advancement of the character more than anyone did in like two decades. And then you guys do even more. And it's just so exciting to read these books knowing like you're taking swings and, you, and, you, and you're, you're willing to do so, especially with superhero storytelling. Yeah, I mean, otherwise, why do it? Right. Um, yeah. My endeavor certainly like I didn't get into writing superheroes off kind of mm. working my way up through doing right. smaller superhero stuff or like mm -hmm. through falling into that bracket of like staple superhero consumption. Um, I got into working with Marvel and DC based off of my creator own work. And my creator own work has always been about like, cool, can we have an idea that hasn't been explored yet? So right. the idea of doing dual narratives that are achronological and eating back, eating their own tail uh in in larger and larger loops like mm -hmm. issue one to five was a small loop and issue one to ten is another loop uh issue one to i think 15 mm -hmm. would be another loop 15 16 ish so um it's it's interesting to tell that kind of story on a personal level as well so like i always get these questions like oh how, why, why are you approaching it in this in this super interesting way and I go like <laughs> my my primary objective is to entertain myself. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. So yeah, yeah. If you're not, what's what's the point? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I quit like a steady, better paying job to do this. I might as well do it because it's fun. <laughs> sure. Right. You need more value add than just money. <laughs> so you're always working on so much at once. So you had something like 50 issues uh, in 2022. 
can you give us any any hints or details? No spoilers, but what's 2023 look like for you? 2023 is going to look like I've been I'm very busy because I've been <laughs> working on things in 2022 that haven't released yet. Okay. But effectively 2023 is also going to be an effort on my part to cut down on the amount of stuff I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I tweeted about this, I think a couple of weeks ago, I said, uh, I did 50 comic book issues in 2022. Mm -hmm. That's an issue every week, except for two weeks of the year. And then I also worked on game stuff. I also worked on uh, developing some TV and animation stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's an insane amount of work to do. Uh, And the only reason I did it is because there's a part of my brain that's just a child that's just like, yes, I'll do this. Yes, I'll do this. Yes. And right. it's a matter of like learning to to rein that in as well. Um, and 2023, hopefully I'm going to be reining some of that stuff in. I want to do maybe half those number of issues, but I want to make sure like everything I'm doing is absolutely interesting. Um, so that said, uh, I worked on two creator-owned projects um alongside uh, the the DC Marvel stuff that I was doing mm-hmm. last year uh and both of those should be either announced or or at least in the solicit cycle in in Q1 of this year awesome. one of them is with artist Evan Cagle uh mm-hmm. who's done all the detective covers um and Which are gorgeous a, by the way like uh, just <laughs> so works so gorgeous for sure yeah yeah and 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 Evan is definitely one of those people like the moment you go gothic opera go (laughs) he's got like okay i know exactly what to do Uh so um but uh he's also he's also someone who's like in his interior work seemingly like blends european and manga aesthetics Mm -hmm. uh in in a way that i haven't seen before so we're that said this this creator own thing that we're doing is going to be like a a mecha kaiju but ghost story romance yes yes what? yes <laughs> so, so all so my that, favorite things yeah, yeah so so that one's going to that one's going to be announced soon i imagine and then i'm doing uh, another book um with with Lawrence Campbell mm. that's part of a I mean, i'm trying to say this without giving too many things away sure so it's it's rashomon but in comics. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, and and I don't think I, I let me put it this way. I'm working with an editor. I'm working with Will Dennis on that book. I was editing it for us. And Will said in his 22 years of having edited comics, no one ever pitched anything as crazy as that to him. So <laughs> um so hopefully, you know, we pull it off and and it's a thing that's that will certainly be interesting at the very least. Um so <laughs> For the listeners, but, Rashomon is like a story where we get different perspectives on on one event, right? Yes, mm-hmm. it's different perspectives on one event. Um, but we're trying to be ambitious a little bit in terms mm-hmm. of narrative storytelling in that. So if you, the way I'm writing, I'm writing this book in collaboration with another team writing another book. Okay. Uh, and so you read my book, you get one story. Mm-hmm. You read Dan, uh, so so I, I don't mind. I don't think Dan will mind me saying this. Dan and Sumit Kumar are working on the other book. Okay. Um, nice. And you, so you read Dan and Sumit's book, you get a second narrative. 
but okay. if you read both of them you get a uh -huh. third narrative that exists only between the two books whoa that sounds cool that's really <laughs> exciting i i'm looking forward to that for sure yeah so, so i mean so it's a difficult thing to execute but yeah uh, uh yeah. you know the benefits of working with people who are your friends and you hang out with at the pub so that's nice <laughs> yeah for sure Crazy ideas you come up with at the pub, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so so we were doing that. Those are two creator-owned things. And then I'm doing uh, a, a title called The Vigil at DC. Yes. Um, which will be teased in Detective and will be teased in the Lazarus Plant one-shots as well. Mm -hmm. um, and this is, a, this is a project that's very close to my heart. You know, more details soon. But awesome. Um, they're the first sort of group of wholly original characters that I'm creating for DC. Uh, and they're all Indian. They're all superheroes. Um, and so it's it's going to be it's going to be an exciting time in that that oh, the narrative great. is also from the very beginning sort of set in the DCU. So mm -hmm. um I think quite a lot of firsts being tackled with that book. Oh, um, that's great. Yeah, I'm quite excited about it. Uh it's like a modern techie superhero thing much mm -hmm. in the vein of like global frequency or some of the some of the wild storm stuff that was done so awesome um, yeah I'm, I'm pretty excited to to have it out fantastic and as we're recording this lazarus planet launches next week so we'll be keeping yeah, an eye out yeah, for yeah. that for sure well very cool ram well uh everybody go read detective comics 1068 it's out january 24th thank you so much for your time this has been a enlightening and yeah, exciting it's been a blast and interesting Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and yeah. always a pleasure to talk to you because I have heard you guys review the book so many times. So I'm like, okay, I should actually talk oh, at some thanks. point. Yeah. <laughs> Who are the men behind the reviews? Yeah. <laughs>